Good morning and welcome to Shouts of Grace. This morning we are continuing our study on medical freedom. And I'm excited to get into this here. This is the fourth one, but this is really where the rubber meets the road. We're really going to be looking at this idea of medical freedom, and we're going to be looking at the example of Daniel in Daniel chapter 1 today. Specifically, we're going to be looking at verses 5 through 17, which is uh, really important to go and to take a look at and to understand, especially when it comes to medical freedom. I really think this is the... Uh, the, the pinnacle passage and the passage that really, really can change people's views, change people's lives, and, and is really where we need to go into um, really plant our flag on this issue is in Daniel chapter 1. Because as we're going to see this, Daniel is going to face a situation that uh, pretty much everybody faced back in 2020, and you might be getting ready to face it once again, uh, depending on how all of this COVID stuff goes and shakes out a second time. Uh, but let's go ahead and let's read Daniel chapter 1, verses 5 through 17. And it says this, and the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies, and of the wine which he drank, and three years' training for them, so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Now from among those were the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. To them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belshazzar, to Hananiah Shadrach, to Mishael Meshach, and Azariah Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the por excuse me, per portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs uh, that he might not defile himself. Now God brought Daniel into favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who had appointed your food and drink, for why should you should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. So Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servant for ten days, and let them give us vegetables to eat, and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you, and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies, and as you see fit. So deal with your servants. So he consented to, with them in the matter, and he tested them ten days, and at the end of the ten days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus, the steward took away their portion of the delicacies and wine that they were uh, to drink, and he gave them vegetables. As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now, I want you to understand here what's going on in Daniel chapter 1, because it, <clears throat> a lot of people might be looking at this passage and saying, now what in the world does this have to do with medical freedom? But I want you to understand this passage actually has a ton to do with medical freedom. The principles that we see in here just apply like crazy uh, to medical freedom, specifically what was uh, tried to be done with the COVID era. But I do want to just remind everybody uh, just what we've gone through so far in the study, and I'll, I'll go through it really quickly here because this is number four of an installment here in Medical Freedom, a theology of medical freedom. 
uh, we, we've really gone and looked at the purpose of civil government and, of course, that God delegated authority to them and that civil government is is actually only one of four governments that God went and he delegated authority to. So therefore, they're limited, not just being under God, that he delegated that authority, so it must be in agreement with God and with his laws, but also then in scope. Uh, they're limited in scope. And, and so they can't go and cross over into another area, another government there. They're not uh, inherently over these other governments. There, there are different um, jurisdictions that God has given for these. And then we did look yesterday, of course, at Romans chapter 13. What does that actually mean? But today, we're getting into this idea of medical freedom. And we see here with Daniel in the situation that he's in in Daniel chapter 1 is that Daniel is a captive of the land. And of course, there's a civil government that is above him. And that, of course, we see is, is a very strong civil government. It's a king that's there. And this king goes and he takes him and he goes and gives a portion of the king's meat, a portion to eat, a portion to drink there. Uh, and it really wasn't optional. In fact, it was very much a mandate. You couldn't uh, ask just to eat from a different menu because the king would not be happy of that. What, what do you have wrong with the food I'm giving you? This is the best food uh, that we have in all of the kingdom. And you're coming out here saying that you want to eat from a different menu. Are you kidding me? You know, this, this is not something that was optional. It was uh, very much a mandate. In fact, the portion that they're given, that, that is something that was specifically delegated to that person. It was their portion. We go and we see this. But Daniel's conscience, uh, and of course Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their consciences also uh, would be defiled. So with sincere belief, he purposed in his heart not to take the portion that was given to him. And this is something that is just incredibly important to realize here, that verse 8, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine in which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. You see, when it comes to medical freedom, there really does need to be an issue of conscience here. You can't really just go and say, well, I mean, I'm just following the crowd. You have to have a reason. And you really should have a healthy enough conscience to go, and, and it starts pricking you. The Holy Spirit starts pricking you through that healthy conscience, where he goes and he says, look, there's an issue that I have here with this. There's an issue with this, and that's really important to go and to understand and to realize this when it comes to this concept of medical freedom. Now, why in the world would uh, Daniel have a, a conscience being pricked when it comes to this meat being, uh, this portion of meat that was being given to him? Well, it's because the food was most likely sacrificed to idols. It was probably used in idol worship, and so therefore um, Daniel didn't feel right about it because that's something that was wrong in God's laws. And so uh, he went and he purposed in his heart against this. Now, the purposed heart is key to a religious exemption, and it's really called a sincerely held belief. You see, if you seek a religious exemption, you really need to first have a purposed heart. Uh, this is something that is just absolutely, 
absolutely vital to go and to understand when it comes to religious exemptions. You do need to have a purposed heart. If this is something that you're—in fact, I, I ran into this quite a bit when writing religious exemptions, is that people would go and say, well, I'm just trying this, but if they tell me no, if they say that, that this exemption won't work, they, they go and they say, I'll just—I guess I'll get the, the jab. I'll just go and get it. Well, that's not really a purposed heart. That's not really a religious exemption. That's not really a true, sincerely held belief. That's just going and saying, I have a preference. A religious exemption isn't about preferences. It's about what do you believe at the core of who you are? Do you actually believe that it's wrong to go and to get this or to go and to be forced, mandated to get a jab? Because to tell you the truth, it's a lot of it really comes down to that that forced vaccination there, um, or or should be, in understanding the purpose of government. But I want you to also realize with Daniel, it's not just that there was a mandate for something that he was supposed to put inside of his body, food. That's what you do with it. You eat it. Uh, you put it inside your body, uh, and of course, uh, dietary. Uh, mandate. This would be something that has to do with um, with your health. But also there was a true health concern over Daniel's choice, both for him and his co-workers. See, in verse 10, it goes and it says, And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Well, we see here um, there was a a problem, a potential problem. Hey, Daniel, you might not be as healthy as everybody else around. And of course, this is going to put you in not good standing with the king, with the government. You know, why should I go in and give you this exemption and give you then a different diet, Daniel? Why should I do that? I mean, don't you know that you're, you're not going to be as healthy? There's a risk here that you're not going to be as healthy. Now, I want you to realize the personal health risk didn't negate the religious exemption. That actually might even be real. Now, it wasn't really in Daniel's case, and it wasn't really when it came to COVID either, but I want you to notice that even if it would have been a legitimate concern, even if that's something that's that's legitimate, it wouldn't negate the religious exemption. This is something that you need to remember because people will go and say, now hold on here, I, I get the whole concept that, you know, uh, you, you really shouldn't have your conscience violated, but if you're putting yourself at risk, I mean, yeah, can't you just be reasonable and understand you should go and, and get this? Well, no, 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 no. That wasn't good enough for Daniel. He had purposed in his heart. His, his, his mind was made up. He had a conviction. His conscience was pricked. And it didn't negate the religious exemption. It didn't negate it at all. And you need to realize that. And the second thing is, is that Daniel's decision could have endangered others. See, in verse 10, at the, the last part of verse 10, it says this, then you would endanger my head before the king. The chief eunuch comes to Daniel and he says, look, your health is at risk, but my head is at risk. 
But I want you to realize this also didn't negate the exemption, because this is a, a lot of where people would go and push, especially when it came to Christians, uh, to go and to get the vaccine. Now, wait a minute here. You might, you know, be okay. You might be okay, but don't you realize that you need to love your neighbor and your neighbors could get sick from you if you don't get the vaccine? Although now the studies show that, you know, the vaccine didn't help stop the spread. In fact, there's a lot of studies that would go and show that it actually made the spread go out more because you kind of for a little while are a super spreader with, with all that. We, we're not going to get into all the science, but um, I want you to realize that even endangering the chief eunuch, that didn't negate the exemption. And I want you to understand something too, that it COVID does not have a as high of a death rate as decapitation. I, in fact, I don't know of anybody who's survived a decapitation. I mean, maybe maybe there's somebody out there. I don't know, but I've never heard of anybody surviving a decapitation. That's a that's got a 100% death rate, as far as I know. And COVID doesn't have near the death rate of that. And yet, even with the risk of something that would be a 100% death rate, it still did not negate the religious exemption. You see, you are not called to violate your conscience in the concern for others' health. The moral culpability would have been on the king, not on Daniel. See, today, as long as you're adhering to biblical principles, you're not morally liable. And what are the biblical principles I'm talking about? I'm talking about quarantining the sick. And this is important to understand. If you are sick and you you know that you are sick, you are not to go into intentionally spread a disease. You're supposed to go into quarantine yourself. That's that's part of God's law. There are some Christians who um, got such a, I, I don't know, such a rebellious attitude as opposed to one that says rebellion against tyrants is obedience to God. They, they, they forgot that the main thing here is I'm seeking to obey God, which means that at times I'm going to be set against tyrants. So pretty much all the time I'm going to be set against tyrants. But they, they forget the fact that it's actually rooted in an obedience to God. It's, and they're coming at this saying, you know, I want to shake my fist at tyrants. Well, you might end up shaking your fist at tyrants, but ultimately it's because you're bowing your knee to God. They forgot about that, and they started going, I don't care. I can go out and be sick, and I'm not going to listen to God's law. I'm not going to go and quarantine myself, uh, because they're confusing the idea that it's wrong to quarantine the healthy, and while at the same time there is a mandate to self-quarantine, being a sick person there, uh, and you should stay home so that you're not spreading a disease. So as long as you are obeying God's law— and you're quarantining yourself when you are sick, when you are symptomatically sick, then guess what? The culpability is not on you. It's not on you. You're not morally culpable. You're not morally liable. You're not responsible for somebody else getting sick. That's, that's something that happens in our world. People do get sick. You see, the situation that Daniel was in was that there was a mandate from the civil government. There was a health concern over Daniel, but his conscience was pricked. And there was a 
an endangerment or a potential endangerment of his co-workers. And yet, his religious exemption still held up. You see, ultimately, God not only allowed, but he honored Daniel's decision. Did you see that in verses 15 through 17? And at the end of the 10 days, so there's a test, of course, that happens, but at the end of the 10 days, their features appeared better, fatter, and flesh than all of the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus, the steward took away their portions of the delicacies and the wine that they were to drink, and he gave them vegetables. As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature, wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. See, what I want you to understand here is that there is a biblical foundation for a religious exemption from something that a civil government mandates on something that affects your health and enters into your body. The civil government does not have does not have jurisdiction over your diet. They can't go and tell you, don't eat a Big Mac. They can't go and tell you, don't eat this or don't eat that. But there's a, a health risk to Daniel. And there is a risk to his neighbors even, but because he had a sincerely held religious belief that it was wrong to eat meat that was most likely sacrificed to idols, there's a religious exemption, even though it put him at risk for health reason, even though it put his co-worker at risk for decapitation. Daniel was allowed to have that religious exemption. And not only that, but God honored Daniel's decision. You see, when God convicts your conscience and you have a deeply held belief, God will honor. He will honor your decision. And he will honor you if you hold to that decision. This is the foundation for a religious exemption when it comes to vaccines or when it comes to other things. There is an example that we can point to in Scripture that, that goes and checks the mark on every single thing that, that we faced and that people came up against it. It's almost as though God knew that it was going to happen, and he gave us exactly the right ammo to go and to fight this battle. Wow, isn't God good? He gives us the right armor. The question is, are you going to put it on? Are you going to hold to your beliefs? Because otherwise, it's not really a religious exemption. If it's a preference, it's not a religious exemption. It needs to be something you actually believe, and you need to hold to it. And then we see that God honors that decision. Well, thank you for listening today. And remember Joshua 1, 8, and 9 as we depart. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Oh, but even in darkness we hold to the promise There's nothing we can't overcome so that war you've been fighting will end in God's timing. Sing like the battle's been won. Then you feel it, the song that is rising, then you can't help 
trusting in faith, even now I'm